Hey ho, and to all the pirate listeners, yo ho, it's time for Radio Gripe. Uh, I'm one half of the host, my name is Joe. I'm the other half of this parasitic organism, Jen. And this is our general discussion podcast where we just kind of go through a lot of stuff we've been paying attention to. We gripe about it. It's kind of the brand. Yeah, we're back for another week. Uh, you might notice this episode was a little delayed in getting up. We had some technical issues and uh, whatever. doesn't matter. Here's this one. And uh, we're going to do another one next week. And uh, yeah, here we are. So We're using new software and that's why we came back wrong. We're using multiple softwares and it's uh confusing and frightening but we're still doing it uh staring in the digital maw of danger here for another week let's just take a moment before we do whatever the hell else we're gonna do uh just to check in a little bit and uh i'll just go ahead and say it hi jen hi joe (laughs) i feel like it's been ages um what are we listening, learning, loving, etc.? For me, and I'm a little late to the party, I am bringing um, Everything Everywhere All at Once, mm. a film that uh, they did bring back to theaters after it developed a huge uh, amount of attention. It's now the most successful A24 movie. The most successful? Yeah, the most uh, financially successful movie they've done, and they've done a lot of good ones, yeah, and good yeah. ones that got attention. Um, good ones that won awards. Shit, did they do Moonlight? Did they do, did they do Moonlight? I don't know. Best picture? Uh, yeah, no, it was a great movie. Uh, it was very all over the place that you, like, like you might guess from a title like that, but still cohesive enough to kind of like, kind of drive this story and, and to make it really enjoyable, uh, the whole way. It's the most, intentionally bonkers movie uh maybe top five intentionally bonkers movies i've ever seen but the emotional core of it holds uh through so it's also you know very moving in spite of all the the action the comedy the homages to classic cinema from the the 60s to the 90s really great performances too uh from everybody there great performances by The whole cast, an absolute delight to watch. Yeah, it was uh, it was hard to not pay attention to Jamie Lee Curtis whenever she was in a scene because she was really just kind of eating that character up and having fun with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, um, apparently she she showed up in that outfit. Yeah, that was her idea. She she tracked down a an outfit that she saw. Um, like, like someone at the DMV wearing at some sure, point was like, right. "This is it. This is the exact thing." Mm-hmm. Yeah, the da- the Daniels, uh, the directors responsible for this uh, masterpiece, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Sh- uh, Scheister. Sh- I'm probably wrong. Yeah, the movie was so bold and confident that I was like, okay, this is their sophomore effort. Damn, what was their freshman effort? And uh, I looked it up and it was uh, Swiss Army Man. Oh, right, right. I didn't see that one. A bold choice, uh, I think, for both Paul Dano and uh, Daniel Ratcliffe, uh, making a new, uh, you know, but kind of just doing whatever the fuck he wants. He's co- he's coasting on that Harry Potter money. <laughs> he can live whatever kind of life he wants and do whatever projects are the most fun, even if it plays a sort of uh, sapient farting corpse. And a lot of people hated Swiss Army Man, but I was not among those. Like, a lot of people were like, what the actual fuck is this? Is this a joke on me specifically? Why am I watching this? Uh, but I thought it also had kind of a beautiful emotional core. I thought it was a thinker. I really enjoyed it, and I loved the score. I listened to the soundtrack to this movie after watching it, like, a few times, because um, I thought it was so uplifting. Mm. Okay. <laughs> So yeah, good to see that they're still going whole hog, and uh, there's there's people in, uh, that that work in Hollywood that really believe in them. You know, some directors or directing teams only have one movie like this in them. Um, you know, you you can disagree with me about the uh, Wachowski siblings, but I don't think they ever were able to top the Matrix. Well, that's yeah, the Wachowskis also uh, they've only got one those movies in them and they did that movie several times which is unfortunate 
But yeah, this this is, should not be conflated with that at all. Uh, Although I, I did notice a resemblance early in the movie, like I mean, a little bit. I was I'm like, not, this is kind of like if the Matrix was um, written by Charlie Kaufman and directed by Michel Gondry. Yeah, I don't think that this movie is broadly, uh, you know, fully original. But I think that what it's done stylistically with how they approach everything is it was all done really, really well. It was a lot of fun and moving at times when it wanted to be. I cried. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it's, didn't. It's not hard for to make me cry though. Mm. I cry all the time. I did cry uh, watching some of the later parts of Stray, which I just finished playing. Oh yes, Joe. What's uh? <laughs> yeah, what's my thing? <laughs> what's your thing? My thing is uh, Stray, the video game, uh, highly anticipated. Yes. From Annapurna Interact- Interactive, and I forget just exactly. I think Epic Games is tied into this or whatever. But uh, yeah, the dystopic uh, future world uh, where you are a cat running around trying to get your way back, uh, essentially to the surface world after falling into some remains of of human civilization. This is a post apocalyptic nightmare. Yeah, although you know it's not. It's mostly not painted as a nightmare. It's also got a lot of whimsy. Yeah, no no spoilers, so I won't talk about, you know, what what kind of Cronenbergian shit ends up kind of coming up later a little bit. Uh it does it's got some some creepy moments and some very dark themes and everything, but uh, I get very scared for my little cat avatar when I'm playing and yeah. uh it's ugh, I have to take a break. Yeah, it's a pretty PG game though, all in all and uh yeah, it's great. My, you know, my I don't want to open with my complaints, but I'll go ahead and open with my complaints. There's a few things they could have done control-wise to help you uh, kind of more feel in in the role of a cat, mm-hmm. you know, like bat batting at random things, uh, mm-hmm. or, you know, or uh, being able to control the ears. I should be able to control the position of my ears as a cat, I think. But maybe the point is cats it, don't control it. Just it. it just happens, happens automatically. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd like a button for anus licking. Like again, yeah, you just kind of let that happen. It'll, it's an idle animation. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I'm glad to see it finally come out. I went ahead and got it while it was new instead of waiting for it to go half price or whatever else. And, um, not, not dissatisfied at all. I've been enjoying that a lot. It's a beautiful game. Mm hmm. Other than that, I've, uh, been looking forward to the show that we've got actually next, uh, Sunday the 14th. Uh, and that's going to be the Hex Dispensers here in Taylor. It's going to be an afternoon show, and I'm really stoked on it, actually. Next they're, next Sunday, you said? Next Sunday, oh, August cool. 14th. Uh, and they're going to do that, and then they're actually going to be heading off for a European tour. Woohoo! Yeah, which is going to be cool. But uh, that's going to be happening. So if you're in here in Taylor, and it's before the 14th, you know what to do. Uh, otherwise, you're going to be hearing about it post-facto. Uh, about the good show that we went to. Yeah, and uh, also, you know, some of you guys are 800, 900 miles away. If you start driving now, you can definitely make that show and you still have time to see the big ball of yarn definitely and twine make that show. in uh, Kansas or whatever. Yeah. And uh, so it's also known Hex Dispensers is another project from uh, our friend Alex Cuervo of Spectrostatic, uh, kind of a long-running thing. Uh, definitely worth checking out. We'll play a little bit in this episode so you can get a flavor of that. Uh, yeah. Well, I think, uh, that's, that's a nice little moment where we're normal civilized people. Let's, uh, take a break and get to the shit.
some other like kind of breaking news maybe some uh, some causes for concern things that we need to know a little bit more about uh jen we're getting reports from all over about meat bees uh what do we know about these meat bees well i'm here at the cookout <laughs> and i can tell you that we we have what appears to be bees swarming the brisket mm. they've, they've also found a they found a dead mouse, and they are swarming in its carcass. And uh, a lot of people here were led to believe that the bees are going to go after their fizzy drinks. And well, that does not seem to be the case. That's the expectation, but you're telling me that the bees are inside the mouse. Uh, I, I haven't seen it with my own eyes, but that's what I'm hearing. Okay, uh, so... Reports are still coming in. It's a little unknown, but we want everybody to be safe. Um, are people, people that are made of meat, um, are people safe? Should we be worried? Well, you know what my job is. I am a network news anchor and I am not going to tell you that anyone is safe. I cannot confirm that anyone is safe at any time from the meat bees. Sound advice coming straight from a professional news anchor. They uh, could be they could be going for the eyes, the ear holes, the, any soft tissue. Yeah, I think it's a good idea to go ahead and cover up that and protect that, especially if you hear the drone of bees. I, I would recommend people stay indoors. Uh, cookouts um, might be coming down from the CDC that we might need to cancel some cookouts. Mm. Uh, no, no public cooking. Uh, no cooking outdoors. The state of Texas is going to be uh, very hard hit by this. Uh, we can see that impacting their economy for possibly years to come. You know, it reminds me a little bit of the uh, the killer bee uh, scourge. Not the murder hornet, but the killer bee scourge of so many years ago, which, which prompted uh, at least once my father turning up the collar on his polo uh, and saying, oh, I hope they're not Africanized. The Africanized bees, yes, forever changed our nation uh, mm-hmm. when they invaded our shores. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm i okay with it now, but it was pretty worrisome back back when we, we didn't understand. Decades. Decades of fear. Yeah, we, we thought that, you know, the American way of life was certainly over. Um, but no, we, we persevered. We are still here. I guess still getting killed by killer bees, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, they, they have to eat too. Mm-hmm. Um, do we know if there's any link between the killer bees and the meat bees? I'm getting reports that they are cousins, possibly step siblings. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, moving on from that, of course, we are also uh, receiving some reports from NASA. NASA giving out warnings to their astronauts, their male astronauts, of course. Uh, they are being warned about the dangers of masturbation in space, uh, specifically unplanned pregnancy. Uh, so uh, we we have this uh, clip from uh, an interview with Dr. Herb Bergley. One. One male could impregnate three females from one intercourse session. Fluids are just a logistical nightmare in zero gravity. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're hearing reports that, you know, uh, it's, it's not confirmed. It's just kind of theorized, of course, that, uh, masturbating in space will allow your, 
uh, ejaculate to enter zero gravity and go where, wherever it deems necessary, which might be to uh, female cosmonauts who didn't ask for it. Um, of course, we've we've gone over the conversation uh, posed by the brothers McElroy that if you nut in space, does it push you backwards? That could also be a hazard, though. You could, uh, you know, ac- accidentally propel yourself backwards into some uh, equipment and, I don't know, hit a switch and, and turn off the air or something like that. Uh, but this is a little bit different. Um, Russian scientist, Dr. Irene Ogniv- Ogneva, don't know how to say Russian names, uh, asked some male cosmonauts for sperm samples back in 2019, but there have been no volunteers. We're going to go to Chuck Tuckman for more. Chuck, what are the Russians hiding? Back here live at the Waterfront Village with my friend, the zombie, Jonathan. You're looking good. Jonathan just got an awesome face paint job. What do you think? I like turtles. All right. You're great zombie. Good times here at the Waterfront Village. Open for the next 11 days. several solutions to this uh, problem. Not masturbating when you're on the International Space Station for months at a time, obviously, is not one of those. That's not an option. Um, whatever solutions are employed for urine, maybe could be employed for this purpose as well. I guess, alternately, you could choose to put this on female astronauts and cosmonauts and just have them constantly wearing a diaphragm. Um this this reminds me of the infamous turd from the Apollo 10 mission. <laughs> the mis- the mystery turd that no one has ever in uh, history has one. claimed. Yeah. Um, but the, we do have uh, the transcript of the uh, 
conversation ensuing after the discovery of the floating turd that no one would claim. But when the technology of the, uh, uh, of bowel movements in space is basically taping a plastic bag to your butt cheeks mm-hmm. <laughs> to try to funnel, to try to funnel that waste matter in, um, I think it would be just as easy, uh, to, to deal with the, uh, the sperm issue. I mean, that's the thing. A lot of, uh, a lot of space technology uh, has to come from a fuck around and find out approach. Um, and you can't really replicate zero G on earth super easily. So we do have to spend a lot of money just putting people in space just to then observe what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I don't know if there's just like some kind of vacuuming device. Like uh, I don't know what they're using currently for, uh, Waste materials. Waste materials. Fluids. fluids. We are so packed full of fluids and constantly generating waste. And that is why human beings are fucking disgusting. Yeah. That's why we don't belong in space. Um, of course, don't, don't tell that to, uh, Chinese engineers because they're, they're pretty solid that we're going to have, uh, lunar colonies by like 2050. Uh, well, which, I think they have the discipline and the budget to make that happen. I think they do. Yeah. I don't know that we do. Uh, yeah. America is not committed to doing things for the greater good. You know, uh, of course, also the question that becomes a contentious debate. Do we even belong on the fucking moon? I mean, what do they got there? They don't have shopping. Right. Or at least not yet. Not yet. Yeah. Like, I don't know. It's, uh, it's, I, I feel like uh, colonizing the moon is just going to end up with a whole lot of like uh, unnecessary moonside attractions. Well, Joe, there was a time when there were no shopping malls in the American Southwest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there was nothing of value there whatsoever before uh, the uh, American pioneers went west uh, and domesticated uh, that space. Yeah. And there have been no uh, negative repercussions. No, I understand. And there, there never will be. I understand that it's been nothing but good for, uh, you know, places like your Nebraska's, you know, uh, your Ohio's. Uh, now that we've introduced shopping uh, to these people, salt of the earth, uh, everything has been good for them. And everybody else that passes through on the... Uh, you know, our artisanal roads that we made, our American pioneers. Um, yeah, one of the, one of the great legacies. Of America invented roads. We know that. Yes. Yeah. Yes, we did. Yeah. And that's how you know that we're about out of material because I'm <laughs> saying things like America invented roads. Feed them all they mess today, forget what the drugs cost. And people never question what you selling them guns for. Or beat them in the head with the message with the blood force. Lead them to the edge, tell them this is the jump off. The run off, you dump off, and skulls to the sauce. Let them suck on your exhaust till the fucking sun's gone, baby. Make them bleed from it while they dream of it. Make them yearn to get it while they burning. Treat the side effects and supply the next disorder. Poison the well and bottle the water. If all else fails, you start a war up. You sell them what he needs to knock it down and reconstruct. Feed the drugs, you ease it up.
to November because they're going to need a win it's, before the midterms and people have short memories. That they're, if they're going to announce it, it would likely be in mid-August because everything is kind of paused right now for payments and it's set to resume on August 21st. So the question is, you know, will they actually go ahead and make that statement before it's set to resume? Uh, are they going to try to keep it delayed or, you know, so we're going to have to wait a couple more weeks before we get any more word on that. Or come August, are all the payments set to resume to uh, lenders, debtors, assholes? Yeah, you know? I don't, that would be a remarkable achievement. And I certainly hope that we Fucking make some so. progress in that uh, direction. Actually, that's going to be divisive, too, because there's the the... The small percentage of Americans that are not saddled with debt, particularly um, educational debt, the comparatively small percentage of, of Americans that that uh, are not saddled with debt are uh, also they also make up the largest voting block, mm-hmm. and they they have in a, a they seem to have a kind of kids take your medicine uh, approach right. to debt. Well, and this is they're living to be- in a, a fantasy land where prices still. <laughs> prices for education and housing and medical and medical services are still sitting somewhere in the 60s 
And, right. Um, well, and this is, I think, supposed to be designed at, uh, you know, people that owe $10,000 or less and make $150,000 or less per year. Mm-hmm. So it is aimed more at the middle and lower class. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because that's a, that is your largest voting block. And, uh, B, those are the people that it impacts the most. Mm-hmm. Um, unpopular, maybe, you know, just because there are other things that have been going on. There's been a lot of financial news lately. Um, there is, of course, we, we could talk about inflation and how talk, fuck that talk is. Talk about the recession. We could talk about how there are a lot of recession fears. Apparently, so like spending, consumer spending is up a little bit. But it's hard to say whether or not that's just from inflation or not, because, uh, you know, job growth has kind of grown, has kind of lost a little bit. And, uh, there's, there's a variety of um, factors. I that heard that job growth is strong. That's what they said is yesterday. Under expectations though. Okay. Uh, spending has climbed a little bit in the middle of the summer, but again, it's kind of hard to say whether, whether or not that's because people are making more money or just needing to spend more money. Because of inflation. I think it's going to be really boring to have an economic conversation unless we're being a little sensational and pounding our fists on the table. So I I say let's go ahead and kick that can down the road. Yeah, I'm not trying to super dig into that. Uh, I'm just saying. It's what everybody's buzz about it, but there's still more shit to come out over the next few weeks with more reporting and everything More reporting. Yeah. Fist pound. Rah! I'm not going to take it anymore, but I kind of have to. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's my point. But yeah, you know, so what we're going to do for this episode is maybe, uh, I've got a few things here just to talk about. Maybe kind of some, some, some hopeful, uh, technology things and, uh, some some things that might impact the future. Uh, we'll, we'll kind of see how it all shakes out. Uh, we have a few notes to go on today. Just having some coffee. It's a Sunday morning. We decided mm-hmm. to do that for you. Not slur too much while we're trying to fill you in on the world's ills. So, did you hear about the the uh, Russian chess robot? The one? I saw a video of a chess robot uh, breaking a 10-year-old boy's finger. Yeah, yeah. I didn't realize it was Russian tech. Yeah, no, this this happened in Russia. Um, the boy was playing against a Russian robot in, uh, I guess, like kind of a larger... I don't know if I want to say competition, but something, you know, like that. And, um, so the Russian robot has some safety protocol to not let people interfere with the board or anything. And it involves breaking fingers. Okay. Cause I was wondering if that was a design flaw or by design, because usually you wouldn't need industrial grade hydraulics for this type of machine. I don't think that they really kind of calibrated it and they didn't (laughs) view it as be like, yes, attack anybody that, you know, comes next to the board. But, um, Essentially, the the Russian robot had taken one of the boy's pieces, and before the robot had considered its turn was over, the boy uh, moved for the board, and so the robot went and just kind of grabbed his finger and held it there. I don't know if it was that it pinched down too hard, or the boy maybe struggled to free himself and, like, how the break actually occurred. Several people had to kind of, like, rush in. It took them minutes to free him. There's no fail-safe button that you can just press. Yeah, you can't just, like, hit a release button. Yeah, so some people had to jump in and break it up. The uh, vice president of the Federation of uh, Russian Chess had said... There are certain safety rules, and the child apparently violated them. <laughs> well, that, yeah, that's what he gets. <laughs> yeah, saying apparently children have to be warned. Well, that, yeah, that's what he gets, I guess. Uh, this is shots fired. First, first shot has been fired, and this is how it begins. Well, some of us might say that uh, that Roomba that got up in the lady's hair might be the uh, the first shots fired, but we're seeing what? Yeah, that happened like last year or something. Um, that's it's. We're seeing an escalation, yeah, uh, yeah, of of uh, differences, some hostilities between us and uh, the AI we're creating. Um, I will also just say that the uh, president of the Moscow Chess Federation said uh, there were no other incidents like this in previous matches with the robot, but because those were good little boys and girls. Quote: The robot broke the child's finger. This is, of course, bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So at least a little bit of acknowledgement that, you know, they maybe didn't do, uh, didn't do due diligence in, um, making sure their little, uh, robot arm was, you know, 
safe for children. I don't know. This is how kids learn. Mm -hmm. I say it's a bad idea to give a robot enough intelligence to play chess in the first place. I think that, you know, that's that's human games. Yeah. Hot take. Yeah, I mean, this is... This is what the proletariat has always been worried about. Once we start outsourcing <laughs> chess games to machines, there will be no jobs for chess players. Yeah. And that is a problem in an industrial society. Yeah, yeah. Hey everybody, Joe here. I uh, just got a little bit of a station break for you. We just want to take a moment to say thanks to KBSR. Uh, KBSR, you might recall, is fully independent and listener supported. And uh, we got this whole Patreon thing that helps keep it all rolling out. Uh, it's good to be back on the network, and we are very thankful to uh, some of those Patreon people that have still been on, even though we've been gone. Uh, we had always intended to come back, just kind of, you know, things. Uh, but yeah, you can go look for, uh, Black Sparrow Radio on Patreon. Uh, there's also, you know, BlackSparrowMusicParlor.com that has all kinds of stuff about the network and the venue and everything else. Uh, we also want to say thanks to Trevor and the Mental State Fair for that song, Dying in Texas, that you're going to hear on the intro and the outro. Good, good stuff. Good to hear it again. Um, and of course, thanks to our man Alex Cuervo of Spectrostatic for giving us a lot of music to listen to here and there. Yeah, uh, everybody get at us uh, uh, on the Instagram, Radio Gripe TX on Instagram. Uh, we do have an email. It's going to be we're trying show at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, let us know how you're digging. All right, well, uh, that's all for that. Let's get back to the show. There's that, and then uh, on kind of an upside of that, uh, although maybe a little creepy, but I like it, uh, there's stories coming out of uh, Rice University, which is, uh, I want to say, outside of Houston, maybe here in Texas. Uh, they have an engineering lab there. So the medical engineers at Rice University, who are very good at dealing with boredom, they've taken some of the first steps into the world of necrobotics. Yeah. So. They, they did this by turning uh, dead spiders into basically tiny claw machines. Have you heard about this? No. Okay, so we'll we'll approach it first this way. Did How you do- say death spiders? Dead spiders. Dead spiders, okay. Yeah, that's necrobotics. Right, right, right. Right. Are you aware how spiders' legs work? Uh, more or less. Right. So they don't have a cardiovascular system. They don't have musculature. Uh, instead, they kind of have like a hydraulic system. It's a system. hydraulic system, yeah. Yeah, they uh, they have a chamber called the prosoma, which pumps fluid uh, into or out of a spider's legs to make a move, mm-hmm. right? So they use like pressure in that. Whenever a spider dies, the pressure is released, and that's why their legs curl up. Legs curl up underneath them. That's how you know a spider is no more. Yeah. So uh, one of these engineers, Fei Yap, great name, by the way, mm. decided to super glue a syringe. Uh, onto a spider with the needle in the prosoma to manipulate the legs. So they just use a little bit of air pressure to manipulate the legs. And they would do, <laughs> they would stick this, uh, syringe onto the spider and then they could manipulate the legs to open or close. And because of the way the, the hairs and like tactile parts of the spider's legs are, they can still grip onto things. Mm. And so they found that they could, lift objects that were 130 times the spider's weight and they could hold up for about a thousand reps. Hmm. So they could make little, little grabbers with, uh, with spiders. I kept thinking about, you know, those like, uh, those grabber things that you might use to like get something off the top shelf. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just imagine one of those, but with like a tarantula at the end. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, it's, it's kind of cool though, because this particular lab focuses on engineering projects that, Avoid plastics and electronics that can be harmful to the environment. Mm. So they've done a proof of concept on this uh, biodegradable soft robotic structure, which is what they're calling the dead spider glued to a syringe. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, it sounds kind of fancy when you put it that way. But so essentially, you've taken the skeleton of a spider, which is made of chitin or something, mm-hmm. and and filled it with fluid. And you're just using you're using the mechanics of something that nature it's nature designed. Humans yep. did not have to design or construct it. Mm-hmm. Kind, it's, it's, kind of in a similar way how we would take inspiration from birds when we're construct, uh, constructing, uh, you know, yeah. Uh, aerial tech. Yeah. So I think that that, that tracks. And I think that, you know, if this trend continues, we will see, uh, birds, dead birds, a harvester of their (laughs) wings, uh, to, to make really, really large wings to put on, uh, planes and stuff. And that's how planes are going to work. Or maybe something like a, you know, like you see in a, what dune or something with the ornithopters, you know, where they've kind of got these dragon wing, yeah. structures or whatever, you know, uh, dragonfly wings. I went, I wasn't Not necessarily con- uh, suggesting that. I was just kind of making a one-to-one comparison. As morbid as it sounds to have spider grabbers. Um, well, I mean, imagine... Uh, it's not reanimating the dead, exactly. Well... Well, it is. It is. It's... <laughs> <laughs> it's animating the dead. We're not we're not in full Frankenstein territory. We're no, partial yeah. Frankenstein territory. It's partial Frankenstein. We're just kind of it's like a Franken puppet. <laughs> the spiders feel nothing. They're in spider heaven. Yeah. All all spiders go to heaven, guys. But yeah, this uh I, I heard about this and it made me think about the uh the, the solar punk genre of things or solar punk milieu. You know, which is more more of a an aesthetic choice, uh and it's it's something that a lot of like sci-fi writers like kind of dive into. And then, you know, you got your people on Etsy that are kind of like, you know, putting stuff out there. The idea of the, the future world where the environment, our relationship to it is a lot different. And we find out ways to use the environment to manipulate our world instead of manipulating our world to be outside of the environment. Yeah, take it back to Flintstones technology. If you have sapient creatures that are willing to be garbage disposals, then that would be the way to go. It's a living. (laughs) Right. Yeah. No, that, yeah, that sounds uh, very utopian. Yeah, right. So, uh, uh, good luck and Godspeed, uh, to you spider engineers.
Kind of a short episode this week. Uh, we've we're we're doing several things around the house. Got a lot of things going on, and there's you know there is nothing too depressing in the news, and so that's we didn't have not that's true. Not, <laughs> Joe. Nothing, nothing. I mean, just because you've spent the last week on BuzzFeed exclusively. Oh, wow, that hurts. I never go to BuzzFeed. Oh, wait. I was on BuzzFeed on the toilet this morning. Um, BuzzFeed apparently still exists. Mm-hmm. Um, there is a, a TikTok influencer who has been shipping out pink sauce. Did you hear about those? No. I have no idea what pink sauce is. Um, and getting canceled, taking some blowback because uh, as someone pointed out in a TikTok, we don't know what's in the pink sauce. It's $20 a bottle. No one has attempted to describe what it, what it tastes like. Uh, the designer, uh, the, the woman responsible for this pink sauce says that it cannot be described. You have to taste it for yourself. Okay. She says, every time we see, every time we see another TikTok with this pink sauce featured, it is a different color pink, radically different colors of pink. You gotta have consistency. The nutritional information doesn't make any sense. The ingredients include dairy and it is, it is being shipped in a bottle that is placed in a plastic bag, which being shipped in the summer heat, which has a tendency to arrive exploded uh-huh. with, with pink crud dripping down the sides. Guys, for all, for all you people that don't know what's in the vaccines. <laughs> You're ordering this shit and putting it in your body. Oh, also the um, the creator had said something like, "The FDA, FDA approval. What does that have to do with me? It's a food, not a drug." <laughs> <laughs> missing a missing a key point in FDA. <laughs> Didn't really look at what that stands for. I guess. Yeah, yeah. It's federal drug agency. Uh, I think. <sighs> yep. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so, well, uh, I don't know. We'll go ahead and order some of that pink sauce. We'll get back with you next week if we're still alive. Yeah. Uh, go get on our TikTok and for the unboxing of that, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. It's, I think it's interesting. People that don't want vaccines, the things that they are willing to do to themselves, you know, there is a health craze about, um, mud mm-hmm. and dirt. People that were buying this special dirt and they were putting it in everything. They were bathing with it and, you know, People started consuming it. Yeah. And eating it and giving it to their, to their infants, putting it in their infants, uh, little baby bottles and stuff. Yeah. To to those in our audience that have pica, no judgments. Right. But yeah, best not to go ahead and mainstream that behavior. It's best not to jump onto a bandwagon or a health craze or because specifically because it's what people tell you not to do. (laughs) (laughs) But anywho, Thanks for joining us. I hope that you've enjoyed uh, our little bit of fun news and music episode. Uh, we're going to be back in two weeks. Uh, I might throw together something for the off week. I'm kind of wanting to do that, but we'll see what happens. Of course, I need to give thanks to Shannon and KBSR for having us on and all the other shows on KBSR. I need to give thanks to Alex Cuervo of Spectrostatic and the Hex Dispensers and also Erie Family and like all these other projects. Uh, go check them out on Bandcamp for Spectrostatic. You can find Hex Dispensers everywhere. Thanks to Trevor and the Mental State Fair for that theme song, Dying in Texas. Good stuff. You can find him on uh, SoundCloud. And thanks to Annapurna Interactive for making Stray and finally getting it out there in the world for at least me to enjoy. And thanks to the Daniels brothers. The Daniels Brothers, they're not brothers. Uh, thanks to the Daniels for uh, being bold and fearless in their art. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, until next week, we'll see you later. It's my outro song. And as always, stay fresh. Cheese bags. presenting this without context without any context i don't know what's happening but i'm gonna i'm gonna go with you on this one i guess that's just, that's just, that's just, that's just that's my answer. punch it up leave it be if it's confusing for people so be it leave it be so be it so mote it be oh. so mote it be